The following podcast was recorded on Tuesday, June 1st, 2021, featuring Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science. To hear the podcast in real time, you can sign up for a free trial at arborresearch.com or by emailing Gus Handler directly at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. You can also call Arbor Research and Trading at 1-800-606-1872. Thanks for your time and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Talking Data. I'm your host, Kristen Radish with Arbor Research and Trading, joined today by Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science. Welcome, Ben. Hello. Today we're going to be get, you're going to be giving us an update on investor flows. We have a lot of great charts to share today and walk everyone through the information. We're going to get started with mobility that's rising above baseline and the rental market that's back. Um, the first chart we'll start off with today, Ben, is on U.S. consumers. Their propensity to emerge and spend has reached a crescendo. Yes. So what we've seen is this, you know, strong uh, kind of return of the consumer. If you look at Open Table, a lot of that data is out here today, is indicating that we're now at or you know getting above baseline in terms of people getting out to restaurants and so on. And we really saw this surge kind of take place in February, which also kind of was timed with some of this hawkishness from the Federal Reserve in terms of their search activity. So we like to look at consumer intentions via their searches. We think that they lead the actual actions. And here we can see in red are those type of things or orange are those type of things items services that had to do with staying in and that's everything from you know getting exercise equipment new furniture home improvement and so on that all surged in march april may um, in blue though are the things that kind of denote getting back out and getting the economy back to normal and those surged uh, really the most we've seen almost historically, uh, especially in late February, kind of through that tail end of April. It's things like clothing, job interviews, again, restaurants and so on. So all this inertia is there and the spending is happening. And now the question is that all of us are trying to determine is, does this mean inflation's coming and that we maybe have too much demand for the supply issues that we're still undergoing? Next, let's look at the retail mobility. We've got a chart showing its climb. So this is uh, what's also, oh, actually, I'll actually, I got to the rental stuff here real quick first. Let me talk on that. So the rental market is another, uh, you know, another situation where consumers are coming back out kind of in droves. And we're going to talk about this in a second. There might be a reason why with housing prices potentially high, but kind of like you said, with mobility, this is a sign of mobility that we'll talk about here in the next chart. But this is search activity for rentals, one bedrooms, apartments, looking for rental prices and so on. And this has been nothing but rising on a rolling three-month basis in terms of the changes in that search activity since really early March or so. So all of a sudden we have consumers willing to go to the rental space, you know, be tighter in maybe urban settings, uh, looking for apartments, a sign again of consumers coming back out. And the big thing for inflation here is this could mean OER is finally going to rebound uh, by a decent margin, get well above 2% on a year-over-year -year basis, which means inflation could be more longer lasting, even as these transitory forces on some of the supply chain impacted industries and components fades. So on the next chart here, we have the mobility, and this is what I thought was uh, pretty fascinating, is that the amount of activity that's occurring at retail and recreation locations, this is Google's indices, and it's all measured relative to baseline right before the pandemic. And what we see here is places, even the Middle East, North America, Europe's now getting close, are returning to baseline or above baseline. So we are getting this 
movement that we thought would happen as the vaccines are taking hold and the economies are opening up across the U.S. with Memorial Day weekend um, just having happened. I think we all experienced that. And again, that's another sign of kind of risk on. And that's what we've seen in the flows that we'll talk about here in a minute. We talked about the housing market a lot and obviously how hot it's been and the increased demand. Um, if we move to the next chart, I think it shows us something new is happening. Yes. So what what is, I think, uh, with this inflation story uh, being concerning, you know, the housing market is one place we should look really uh, for the general economic activity as well as how consumers are feeling about prices in general. And here we see that the the amount of um, I guess consumers measured by the University of Michigan Consumer Survey fearing prices on, in terms of buying homes is you know it's a big impediment. So that really it's the buying conditions related to prices are the worst that we've seen really on record. So we're here we're looking back to essentially my entire lifetime uh, back to 1980 and the buying conditions good versus bad. Uh, the bad is certainly a wane and consumers are now getting apprehensive about purchasing homes like maybe some other products because prices are rising so quickly and really getting potentially unaffordable. Uh, it's, I think it's an indication that you know inflation's here and it's it, this instance is somewhat different. This is something we haven't seen again in my lifetime. Next, let's talk about um, the flows. Um, flows recently are going into inflation-friendly assets. So this is all part of the story that we're just talking about. So we have consumers coming back out, we have them getting back into the rental market, they're buying stuff, there's not enough of it. Uh, so we've seen a heavy amount of uh, actual investor flows go right into inflation-friendly assets. And so what we have here is we have a chart showing on a rolling one-month basis, a series of, of different assets that benefit from, you know, would benefit from rising inflation. And that's especially commodities, which I'll touch on in a second, but we've seen over three, almost three and a half billion come in over the past month. Um, energy, materials, industrials, um, and then also just plain old vanilla tips. Tips have seen the, you know, very consistent demand really since, you know, May of last year, and that's persisted. And we just saw an uptick in this rolling one month flows uh you know into last week now we're saw we're seeing a pace that's exceeding about 3.3 billion um and this kind of goes across the board you know just around 3 billion uh per month going into commodities in general energy is uh, now on the mend as we break higher wti crude oil breaks higher materials industrials and so on so in the next chart what we show is why maybe this commodity experience that we're, what we're seeing now is a little bit different and we've been trying to compare it a lot to 2011 and 2011 was a period when we saw commodity spot prices rise over 120 percent into march of 2011 and it was kind of a similar event to what we're undergoing now you know spot prices now are up about 80 percent or so um, and you know still potentially climbing but the, what was what's a little different here is the flows that we saw into that March period, which were heavy, you know, and back then around two billion um, on a rolling one-month basis. Those heavy flows really marked the peak in commodity spot prices, and ultimately the peak in Treasury yields as well. So we were kind of concerned: Oh, is this kind of the big, you know, big rush into commodities? Is this going to be it? They're kind of just chasing of the wily coyote moment, um, mm -hmm. and everything, everything's going to fall out. Um, so then I updated this chart over the weekend and I was like, wait, what happened here? Uh, we've seen the most explosive 
you know, flows into commodities on record, somewhere around, you know, 3.2 billion uh, over the past month, which is just uh, exceptional. And that goes with this chart that uh, you just brought up. That's fantastic. A lot of people have liked it. And this shows uh, commodity rebounds uh, really during global economic rebounds historically. So if we kind of look at the globe since 1960, for periods of major drawdowns or kind of recessions, and then recoveries, meaning now we define that as better than 50% of OECD composite leading indicators being above trend. These are the experiences that commodity, spot commodity prices have seen um, into and then after this global recovery has been underway. So this most recent instance began in August 2020. And if you see here, it's the red line in comparison to all these other global economic recoveries, and it's the highest. So it, we're exceeding essentially everything else that we've seen historically. And what you'll notice, this is on a log scale on the x-axis note, what you'll notice is that the rally typically continues, um, meaning that you know the, the, this inertia, this, this momentum behind commodities during a global economic recovery typically continues um, and endures for, the, for the, really the next year or so. One thing I'll note here real quickly is um, we do see a period of respite or a consolidation that we're kind of experiencing right now from this point in a global economic recovery across commodities and also across yields that typically last somewhere around three months. So if we do get this kind of churn after we've got the successive buying of commodities for the next three months or so, that's not unusual and not necessarily a sign of a top for commodities. Uh, that could just mean we're getting this, you know, uh, the supply chain maybe back in action, uh, but consumer demand is still strong, and maybe commodities will continue to rally, uh, you know, from there on out. How about returns for real assets? So this is this is a cool study that we've uh, done, and I, I, I've taken this from uh, in terms of this idea from a recent research paper. Uh, but what we did here is we went back in time, and this is going to reinforce why commodities are potentially the hot asset and why investors are flowing into them. Uh, what we did here is we looked at periods when headline CPI rose above two percent and then got to at least five percent. And here we, we show these each of these cycles, 1950 to 51, there's you know the 66 to 70, and then all the way up to 06 to 08 period. And then these are the real asset returns. So we're taking away headline inflation, and this will kind of demonstrate you know, what type of assets do well in these kind of inflationary regimes. And what you'll see is equities do poorly. Uh, now they might actually see, you know, nominal nominal gains but when we re when you take out that headline cpi they suffer pretty dramatic losses so in this case usually they underperform uh by they show real asset real returns of around negative 18 percent that's the s p 500. treasuries uh not so much better uh which is not too much of a shock same thing goes for for corporates but if you go down the the list here um, you'll see that the commodities, iron and steel, lumber and wood, industrial commodities, that's where these positive returns are showing up, usually on a double digit basis, outpacing headline inflation. So I'm not shocked that investors are rushing into commodities. I was, I am a little shocked with how fast it's happening uh, over the past week, and maybe that's something that doesn't continue. Um, but the, you know, history as a guide does say that global economic recoveries and inflationary regimes, if we do get one, uh, and I'm not saying headline CPI is going to 5%, just kind of giving a, a look back at what's happened in those scenarios, but commodities, again, come out the big winner. 
And can we also turn to U.S. TIPS break-evens? So TIPS break-evens have been one of the most steady uh, of steady markets. Now, you could say the Fed has certainly had a big footprint in that. They own 25% of that market, which is which is huge. Um, and But TIPS break-evens on a risk-adjusted basis have provided some of the best returns. So in terms of like sharp ratios, it's just it's off the charts, especially the five-year TIPS break-even area. Now, investors, I think, have been chasing a different game plan than they had previously had really over the past you know, couple decades. So if you look at the same global economic recoveries historically and you focus on that pre-1995 experiences, you'll, tips break evens typically did very, very well into and then well after this global economic recovery was confirmed. And so we have a chart here. There's a red line. Uh, for those that can't see that on the podcast, I'll just explain it. Uh, tips break evens have been tracking that exceptionally well. Again, this pre-1995 period, and typically we see almost another 60 basis points of widening um, in those scenarios over the next you know, six months or so. Now, if you compare that to the post-1995 period, tips break evens are typically right now at this point um, in the global economic, economic recovery begin to falter and fall away. We haven't seen that yet. And as long as we stay on this trajectory of this kind of pre-1995 relationship or experience, uh, you know, I think investors will continue to allocate to tips and to tips break-evens, um, and this potential inflation scare story continues. So what other correlations do you see then? So the one, the big thing that's definitely going around this week and has been for the past number of weeks is, you know, why are stocks and bonds suddenly positively correlated and really by the most that they've been uh, since the turn of the century. Right now they're running about 0.4 or so. This is taking, for example, the S&P 500 and 10-year note futures on a rolling three-month basis. That's jumped. So I think that's Yes, maybe that's a sign of inflation fears. Um, to me, it's a lot to do with how consolidated markets have become. And I think investors are trying to figure out you know, what is going to happen with the Federal Reserve regarding taper and what is going to happen with consumer demand relative to these supply chain constraints. So you get these choppy markets. Yeah, I think it's easier for us potentially to get these kind of strange correlations to pop up uh, that may not be lasting. So for me, I'm more interested in what happens to these, to these correlations after we break out in treasury yields. So treasury yields have been sideways since you know March. It was Fed fund futures that put us there first in, in late, late February. Once we break out, if we're able to maintain these positive correlations, especially on an intraday basis, um, then we've got a story. Then we've got something that maybe inflation fears are, you know, percolating and, and pushing into uh, pushing into kind of this risk safe asset balance that would be then out of whack and be a big deal uh, for risk parity, of course, 60-40 portfolios and so on. But I want to see proof of that first. So to kind of sum this up, uh, you know, we've seen this risk on burst uh, that's kind of come back after we saw a push into corporates, a little bit into treasuries, uh, kind of, you know, for about a month or so there. Um, but, um, you know, the, this inertia all of a sudden, in, again, into tips, break-evens, tips, commodities, it is strong and signaling that something here is different. This isn't the same experience we saw in 2011. It's really not something we've seen this century. Uh, again, housing prices, as, a, as an example, consumers have never been this fearful of elevated housing prices, uh, really, again, in my tenure, in my lifetime. Um, and that's something that could continue, continue to be an issue. 
So if this is if inflation is going to be a problem um, and commodities will keep railing, um, again, that's something that investors are going to have to deal with, and that's something that is going to change how you balance your portfolios. Again, risk and safety, um, and so on. I just want proof of all of this, especially from what Jim and I have uh, spoken about, Jim Bianco, that is uh, last week in our podcast, is 10-year yields seem to be the fulcrum here. And I want to see 10-year yields break out to the upside. And I want to see these correlations between stocks and bonds remain firm, along with commodities either going sideways or continuing to rally to keep this story going. So I'm not a big inflationista. Everyone knows that I'm kind of more in the transitory camp, but I think there are some issues that could arise on the sticky CPI front, be it OER, rents, and also wages that could help us get sticky and core inflation to regime shift higher for the first time since 1980. That's the, the thing that I'm looking at more than these kind of supply chain induced inflation scares. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, we got to get this breakout. Um, markets are as boring as they could, you know, as they can be essentially with implied volatilities just tumbling to the lowest levels we've seen post-crisis. So Let's get some excitement. Let's see what happens when we get this breakout and um, maybe this inflation story will, will live on. Well, thanks, Ben, for your thoughts today. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. As a reminder, Arbor Research and Trading is an institutional research and brokerage firm. Our two most prominent research offerings are Bianco Research and Arbor Data Science. For further information on Arbor Research, Bianco Research, and Arbor Data Science, please contact Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. Have a great day.